and welcome to On Topic with IU. I'm Emily Miles, and in this episode, we're talking about the ways COVID-19 can intersect with anxiety and depression. What's really important, uh, particularly if you have an existing anxiety or depression, is that I feel like quarantine and social isolating, it can start to to maybe impact or even undo some of the routines and helpful behaviors that you've built in to help manage those symptoms. This is Brandon Muncy, a therapist with Indiana University's Counseling and Psychological Services, which serves the mental health needs of students here at IU. You know, uh, for depression, we know that meaningful connection is really valuable and helpful, and that can be even harder right now because we're all having to navigate what does it look like to have meaningful connection when when we can't really be in a physical space with our supports. Right. And so this is, you know, sort of for people who already are aware of, you know, depression that they've experienced for a while. There are also, I'm sure, a lot of people who maybe for the first time are having to deal with um, symptoms of, of depression or anxiety. Yeah, I think even if one didn't have an existing anxiety or depression, it, it could emerge during this time, right? And we want to normalize that there's no one particular way anyone should be feeling right now. Whatever you're feeling right now, it's valid. We're all having to go through a process of what does normal look like right now? And, and for a lot of us, I think this is going to mirror the grief process a little bit, grieving grieving normalcy, to say nothing of, you know, the grief we usually think of, particularly if we know somebody who who is ill or who has passed. Right, which is a whole other level of, you know, what's the future going to look like for this? And I think that that's also part of this for a lot of people with anxiety. A big part of that is uncertainty. And with this being so new, I think that we're all in this together, sure, but I think we're all in it together with a lot of uncertainty. Yeah, and uncertainty is, it's like fuel for anxiety. Uh, and one of the things I, I've been really recommending for people to do, and I know it's very hard, uh, and, I, and I'm saying this as a little bit of a hypocrite myself, is really trying to, to keep things present focused. We don't know what we don't know right now, which I know doesn't feel good, but it can lead us to really start future forecasting in ways that aren't helpful, catastrophizing. So, you know, I, I think there's a line to walk of being informed, being prepared and realistic, but not letting it go to a doom and gloom place. You know, trying to keep focused on what can I do today? What can I do tomorrow? And not letting it go too far beyond that. I, I'm really encouraging everybody to have like a 48 hour out plan. You don't have to have every hour planned of the day, but if you have a lot of free time, know what you're going to do. Even if that is, I'm going to get through three episodes of a podcast or a series, have activities planned for yourself. Because I think when we're in the midst of, you know, uncertain times, anxiety grows in a vacuum. It does. It does. And I think sort of on that note of having a lot of free time, I think people especially in the culture that we've sort of developed, feel bad when they're not being productive all the time? Yes, and, and I really want to be on record as saying, you know, taking care of yourself is being super productive. So, you know, whether that's like, I'm going to work out in my living room, <laughs> I'm going to 
unplug from social media and watch Netflix. That all is, it's a very important type of productive. Absolutely. So if somebody is recognizing, oh, I'm feeling not so good, you know, in terms of depression, anxiety symptoms, what can they do? Where can they look for, to find help? So there are a few good things that I would recommend people do starting today. And I'm advising all of my my personal clients to avoid what I call summer break syndrome, where the days all kind of blur together and you get up between 10 and 1 p.m. When everything feels really uncertain, it's really important that we do control what we can. So to help people feel a little more level, try really hard to maintain a regular sleep schedule. Try to get up at the same time, go to bed at the same time. The other big thing is, it's another fine line to walk of. Stay informed. You know, that's just something that we all have to do right now. But there's a difference between staying informed and and compulsively refreshing CNN's webpage, you know. So I, I tell people, dedicate 10 to 15 minutes a day, maybe twice a day, to read the news, to stay informed. But beyond that, you got to let it go. It can feel like you're doing something really productive to oversaturate yourself with media, but you're actually doing a lot of harm. So those are some ways you can begin to cope with mental health concerns exacerbated by the effects of COVID-19. We're going to take a quick break to hear from Kenny Smith about this week's other episode. But when we come back, we'll talk through some of the resources available for those who'd like to seek further help in managing anxiety and depression in this challenging time. Thanks, Emily. I recently spoke with Joe Fitter, who teaches finance in the Kelly School of Business at Indiana University. He's also the director of the Strategic Finance Academy there. We talked about practical strategies and changes people can make in these uncertain economic times. The one thing that I do want to warn people is that uh, I don't encourage them to, to cash out of their retirement account. Keep your retirement accounts intact. That's something that is a common mistake. Don't worry. Uh, that's a long-term investment for almost everyone. It's a challenge now. If one were to cash out, you, most people would wind up paying a bunch in taxes anyway and the uh, potentiality for penalties and so forth. And so you want to be mindful of that. My conversation with Joe Fitter is on topic with IU this week. There were already therapists, psychologists doing tele-mental health, but there's, there's a lot more of us now. So if they need help right now, CAPS is able to offer 30-minute uh, appointments, um, and we're constantly reassessing what the model is right now, you know, depending on what the student body needs. Because of, of federal and state laws, um, like I'm licensed as a therapist in Indiana, so I can't practice therapy for somebody who's in California right now. But what we can do is you can still make an appointment with CAPS, and we will help you identify providers nearby so that that's not something that you have to navigate on your own. And if you are still in Indiana, a lot of our students are, you know, you can still have these 30-minute check-ins with the counselor. You know, another a really great thing that I would let people know about is Psychology Today is a fantastic website where it's like the Facebook of therapists. You can plug in your insurance information, where you are, gender preferences, all of that, and it'll help you find somebody who's doing telehealth right now. Right. And that telehealth can be video or audio calls or in some cases like text messaging, which is an extra private option for folks who may not feel comfortable talking about mental health in their homes. 
And I know that, you know, a lot of people who are maybe part of vulnerable communities sort of stuck at home with mom and dad maybe aren't feeling as safe right now. Absolutely. And um, some of our offices on campus have done a really fantastic job of reaching out. One example is our LGBT Culture Center, uh, the new director, Bruce Mails. They have put together a group me that students can sign up for and receive like live support from other students and people who identify as queer. Which is so cool. It is really cool. I just, I can't state enough. Like, I think it's a fantastic idea because that is a population where, you know, particularly if you've gone home and, and you still need to do therapy around those sorts of challenges, it probably isn't safe to be talking to a therapist on the phone where someone could overhear you. Although I'll throw out, it is a thing that we've adopted at CAPS too. When you're doing your 30 minute consultation with us, one of the new practices we've adopted is identifying like a safe word or a key phrase that you can say so that we know, hey, someone has walked into the room. I'm not going to be talking about sensitive information anymore. So we've we've covered a lot of, you know, ground on the basics. Um, is there anything that we haven't talked about that you think is really important to this? You know, the thing I think I would reiterate is really exercising control over what you control right now. On Topic with IU is a co-production of The Media School and IU Studios. Copyright 2020, the trustees of Indiana University.